Welcome to What's That About? Today we're talking about why do some people fall in love with objects like chairs and tables and bridges and cars. They're, um, they're falling in love with everything except me. Long time no pod. What's been happening? Not a lot of podding. Uh, just listening to pods. Not back, partaking back, in back pods. Back episodes of, of our pod? Of course. <laughs> of course. You're loyal. You're a loyal listener. Yeah. So, we'll explain. We've had a few months off. It's been about March, I think, was our last episode. So, I've been ready to go. <laughs> I've had the microphone set up. I've been, <laughs> I've been chomping at the bit. But Luke has been too busy with his career. <laughs> What is? What do you think my worst excuse has been for when I text you saying, can't pod tonight, I've got XXX? What's the worst well, one been? Well, your, your description of the colonoscopy you had to have was uh, <laughs> a bit... <laughs> it was graphical. and <laughs> too much detail. <laughs> is it just me, though? Or I'm not sure if you ever need to get colonoscopies, but is it the best day of your, of your life? No, it's, uh, it is the greatest. I have had I have had to have one before. The day of the the prep is not a good day. Yeah, the day before, awful. But the day of, but you do the sweetener is the jelly bean. Oh, can you have jelly beans? You can't have jelly beans. No, yeah, the food coloring in them. Right, clear fluids. You have an eventful day, but the next day. You're just lying there. No one can put demands on you. You wake mm. up from your sedation. Do you want a bicky? Oh, yeah, bicky, please. And then you're just like, <laughs> you're hanging out in bed for the rest of the day. It's the best day of the year. The first meal after having a colonoscopy, only having like consomme soup and <laughs> Coke or whatever you have, lemonade, is one of the sweetest meals you'll ever have. Oh, yes. And that that little like 10 to 1 countdown when you get to about number 7 and you just drift off into a sedate state. Mm. Oh, I love it. You love it? Absolutely. Really? Love it. Oh, it's the best. The best. That's some addictive behavior you're uh, expressing uh, there. I've said too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about you besides uh, waiting for the pod to start? What have you been up to? I've got a story. Can I say a story? Hit me with a story. Went to uh, after work, walking down. I had to park when... Um, it's really busy at work. We have to park a fair way away. So it was in this sort of dark place, poorly lit. Um, and I had accidentally, I must have left the lights on because the car was flat, the battery. Hmm. And I turned it on and it wouldn't work. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And it was pretty dark. I was feeling a little bit, just a little bit on edge. I can handle myself. But uh, <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I was a little bit on edge. It's a subtle and karate then, stance you adopted, but you were, you yeah. were confident. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I rang NRMA and said, you know, this is roadside assistance. I need some, you know, my car is not working. Could be the battery. I got off and I was, sign- I was seeing this sign the car and I got a message and it said, do not get out of the vehicle. Do <laughs> not look under the hood. Do not talk to anyone. Stay and we will. someone will be there or whatever. Is this anyway, a, t- a text message? It was a text message and it 
it was the NRMA telling me how to be safe when my car's breaking down. But, but I, for about two seconds, I was like, I'm screwed. I'm dead. I'm dead here. That's a threat. <laughs> That's not real. the NRMA. That is a threat. Yeah. It, was <laughs> it reminds me of that old horror story where there's like that head being banged on the top of the car and you've got to get That's out without looking of. back onto the roof. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought of. I'm like, this is some elaborate plan. These guys are pros <laughs> and they've sent me this text and someone's going to come pick me up and then I'm off. You know, <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a helpful text to be safe. <laughs> I, I had a little incident happen to me as well. Not as not as scary as your one. Yeah. But I was doing some renovations on the front of the house, and I had to sand back the front window, which is open to the whole street, and I couldn't find my safety goggles. Mm. And so I started doing a bit of sanding, thinking I'll just try my luck, and I was getting a lot of sawdust back in the face. Yeah, and you know me, I've got beautiful eyes. You don't want to, you don't want to muck around with those those baby <laughs> those blues. Baby blues, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. <laughs> so went back into the house to try and find my safety goggles, and couldn't find them anywhere. And my wife said, "Just use your swimming goggles." Look at you, like a George Costanza, like I'm cutting an onion, like That's swimming goggles. Like. <laughs> and my kids were watching me, going, "Oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do?" And I had this big fork in the road moment of, "Do I get sawdust in my eyeballs because I can't find my goggles?" Or do yeah. I wear my swimming goggles and look like an idiot, but I protect the baby blues? Mm. What would you do in that situation? I would... Oh, I don't know if I could go to swimming goggles. I was going to say, the day, the last time I saw you, you must have been doing that sanding work because that would explain your attempt at a beard. It was just a bit of sawdust <laughs> around the mouth. <laughs> I remember once I, I'm trying to grow a little bit of stubble or something and you've walked into mm. the kitchen and gone... Yeah, it looks like you've just been eating a lamington in a really messy way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've ended up going the swimming goggles. Yeah, I don't blame you because they're the safest goggles there are. You... You're fully creating a seal around your eyes. Uh, nothing was penetrating those those swimming goggles. Yeah, that's a good move. The street now thinks I'm an absolute idiot, but at yeah. least I've modelled to my kids... You choose safety over vanity every day of the week. Absolutely. That's a life Absolutely. lesson right there. Yeah. No, good move. I back you up 100%. Thank you. Now, today, what are we here to talk about? Why do some people fall in love with old objects? Where did this topic come from? I don't know, actually. Where did this topic come from? Is that your suggestion? It's. I think I may have seen a little short doco about it. Yeah. And I did hit it with the old, what's that about? Text message yeah. straight to you. I think that's how that worked. Yeah. And it did come up at work once that it's a thing, you know, like everyone, everyone's heard of it, I think, of people that fall in love with objects. Yes. And it just is so, it's weird. Let's be honest. It's weird. And it's a classic what's that about moment. Classic. And it, the other classic what's that Sorry, about. not weird. It's unusual. Well, this is, <laughs> this is our dilemma. However, we always like to play the issue, not the person. You're not weird. We're just curious about what's going on in this situation is how we play this. Yes, but it's a little bit weird. And it's just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> We're going to try not to make fun of it, but we will a little bit and uh, backtrack right afterwards. That's the... <laughs> That's the... <laughs> a general apology at the end in case we've offended anyone after offending them for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now, we've had multiple episodes in the past where we've offended people and I'm pretty sure I don't know anyone that is actually in love with an object. So, I think we're safe. <laughs> 
I had very, very few friends when we started doing this podcast. I now have yep. even less. I think yeah. There's been an attrition. <laughs> That's true. Even Warren Groom's dropped off the radar. <laughs> Where's Groomy <Is> gone? <laughs> Where's Groom? Where's Sarah Thornton? <laughs> there are two international fans and they're... <laughs> um, they've gone but, AWOL. Before we get into the actual issue at hand, I do need to ask you, mm. if you had to fall in love with an object or yeah, which object do you think you would most likely fall in love with? Hmm. That's a dilly. Dilly of a pickle. Uh, I would say like a loaf of sourdough bread <laughs> because it's, it's got a hard, tough exterior and it's soft in the middle. And it's delicious smeared with butter. Thank you very much, ladies. <laughs> that is <laughs> terrible. I'm sorry. That was that terrible. Is, that is the weirdest thing you've ever said. <laughs> it is not. I've said much weirder than that. Delicious smeared with butter. You are filthy. Yeah. You are a filthy, Mate, filthy human. You can't tell me. <laughs> me with a bit of honey and butter. Hello. Sweet enough? You better believe it. <laughs> I apologise. Anyone that has oh seen me knows that me smeared in anything is not other than <laughs> it's just not going to be a good sight. So I apologise to everyone that knows what I look like. If you don't know what I look like, I'm pretty hot. Pretty <laughs> especially when smeared with butter and honey. Absolutely. Uh, what, was yeah. that, what was that growl? I was as a Conan O'Brien growl. You know the, you know he does a, <laughs> he does that. The dog. <laughs> this is we are we are very rusty. What? <laughs> yeah, yes we are. I regret nothing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Alrighty, I think it's time. The time that's going to be edited out. Definitely not. Definitely not edited out. <laughs> the moment everyone's been waiting for. Yeah, hit us with a Don's definition. Definition, object sexuality or objectophilia is a form of paraphilia focused on particular inanimate objects. Individuals with this disorder may have strong feelings of attraction, love and commitment to certain items or structures of their fixation. So basically, falling in love with stuff. Falling in love with stuff. Yeah. This is a very quick side point. You've been doing... Hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. What would you choose as a uh, falling in... What would you fall in love with? Nothing. You're too busy paying out my butter and honey. <laughs> Nothing. It's an object. You, you weirdo. Um, <laughs> the Don's definition has... Yep. You've been doing this for a number of years now. Mm. And still, you read the definition from the mm. first two lines of Wikipedia, most presumably. I don't want to, little Lukey, but it's tradition. <laughs> next next episode, I want you to paraphrase the definition in your own words. I can riff on some... I can, I can riff on it if you want. <laughs> if you want me to Bebop and Scott, I can do it. But I choose to read. You, I'm a fan of the written word. You like accuracy in your I definitions. Do. <laughs> I do. Um, and so object love is another kind of informal term that's used. Is that right? Correct. Okay, and so the, one of the main differences between object love and like a, a sexual fetish where you might be aroused by women's shoes or something yeah. is that the object is viewed as an equal partner in the relationship. That's kind of, you, there's a sense that you're two equals in a relationship rather than this is just something that's getting me off. 
That's right. It's like it's called animism, which is the belief that objects have souls, intelligence, feelings, and are able to communicate. Wowzers. And so people have fallen in love with things like the Eiffel Tower. It's like a really famous case where someone married the Eiffel Tower and changed their name to Erica Eiffel, which is... Which is... I'm going to take a point about that because she changed her last name to Mr. Tower's first name, which is... Got her. Should be Erica Tower. Got If her. anything. Yes. Yeah. So that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> that's the weirdest thing about this whole thing. <laughs> and then other people, like there was a, a quote from a guy that um, fell in love with a car. And uh, did you see this guy? Uh, I think I did, but go on. He goes, my car's appearance is what attracts me the most. I enjoy intimacy with my car between twice a week... And once every three weeks, and it involves cuddling and other affectionate activity and sometimes masturbation. <laughs> the gear stick? Is that what he's doing? The- I don't know how he's masturbating in the car. It's a-, <laughs> it's a bit weird. I was trying to imagine, like, if you were going to have sex with a car, mm. I think the logical spot would be the, like, the tailpipe. That would be... The tailpipe. Oh, I guess that's... Like the exhaust <laughs> pipe out so. the back. Yeah, that's true. That's the logical place to put it. Yeah. But she's a woman. No, this was the man who's in love with his car. Oh, the man. I'm stuck on Erica Eiffel because... She's <laughs> also some... interesting. She is. She was actually in the Olympics for archery. Yes. She was a world class. And she had a relationship with her beau, who she named Lance. And she says that helped her become a world class archer. Um, she also had a relationship with the Berlin Wall. Amazing. And now she's in a loving relationship with a garden fence. Talk about settling. Talk- <laughs> can't go from the Berlin Wall down to a garden fence. Can't. It's the Berlin Wall. It's this flimsy little piece of wood. That's, that's like dating Luke and then dating Don. That's just ridiculous. Oh, got him. Listen, got him. Got him. And that's true. It's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the other thing about Erica Eiffel that was interesting was her very first, the very first object she fell in love with was a samurai sword. And what's really interesting was that she was in the Air Force and was training uh, in the Air Force where she was like being sexually harassed by people. And she used the sword, which was her lover at the time, to defend herself. Ah. Um, that's amazing. That's like... You know, defending yourself with your wife in an assault and your wife is the weapon yes. you use to defend yourself. That's and you true. go home and celebrate the victory. It's amazing. That's The sad thing is I couldn't pick mine up. And it's not that she's... I'm just... No. It's, <laughs> she's not over. Right. I'm just weak. Yes. Could you honestly... You know, you see, you see some people in movies how they carry their wife across the threshold. Oh, yeah. No way. I'm not, she's carrying me, if anything. I could not. I'm not strong enough. No. Nah, How many push-ups can you do? I could literally do six push-ups. Yeah, I could do seven, so <laughs> one better. <laughs> my arms may as well be painted on. We were we were like going caravan shopping the other day, and this guy was putting up the side awning, and he's demonstrating how easy it is to put up. And he goes, now you have a try. I was too weak to push this awning up that this guy effectively did with two fingers. Yeah, I, I'm renovating at the moment. I got some bathroom tiles delivered. I'm like, oh, do you want a hand, boys? Like, oh, yeah, thanks. That'd be great. And they're like, all right, just take two of those. They're pretty light. And 
I, that's the pressure right there. And so I picked these two <laughs> things of dials and they were the heaviest things I've ever picked up in my life. <laughs> and there's no way I wasn't getting them into my backyard. I was just going along. You know, when it's really heavy. I'm struggling, but I'm trying to look like I'm not struggling. That's oh, yeah. what was going on. Yeah. And I nearly dropped them and broke and it was... You've... It was, uh, it was tough. <laughs> I think you're like you're walking along, acting like there's no drama, while you've got a hemorrhoid popping out and a hernia coming out. You're like, this, <laughs> this is going is. down. <laughs> I thought I was having a go about to have a stroke. <laughs> like, oh, you guys busy today? <laughs> <laughs> oh me either. Thanks, boys. Yeah. Just gonna pop inside for a minute. Oh, you, you, you yeah. carry on. <laughs> That's basically what I was. I think my phone's ringing. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys do the rest. <laughs> yeah, that's a true story. <laughs> Um, there is a kind of an international network that is built up around uh, people with object love called OS Internationale. Yeah, um, classy. For objectophiles. And their logo is a fence, which is excellent. Is that right? Yeah. I wonder who designed that. <laughs> Erica Tower, Erica I think. <laughs> <laughs> She's multi-talented. Um, in terms of how common it is, there aren't many, obviously, big studies around it. There was this seminal study that was done in about 2010 where the author was able to find and interview 40 people. So, mm. obviously, it's a lot more common than 40 people, but we don't have an accurate sense of how common it is. But I imagine incredibly uncommon is my, my gut sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, I guess... I guess to give a bit of a better flavour of, of what's actually going on here, I found a little clip online of Erica Eiffel, who, as a side note, is very active online in responding to people that talk about object love. Mm. So, wouldn't surprise me if we actually get a comment or an email in response to this episode from Erica Eiffel. Oh, she's, do you reckon she's keeping up to date with she, everything that's going on? Google I reckon alert. she has some Google, Google alerts happening. I think she's on the computer all the time. That garden fence must be super jealous. It's <laughs> <laughs> got fingers all over the keyboard. <laughs> I would Sorry, Erica. <laughs> I would love it if she actually wrote us an email or acknowledged this episode because we've been doing this for a few years now and I'm starting to wonder if the, equi- the equipment's actually working. Like, it <laughs> is true. Someone's actually heard it. That'd be good to acknowledge that. But um, That would be good. Erica, if you're there, drop us a line. Drop That'd us be great. Line. Yeah. So this video is, I think she's in some BBC documentary where she goes to the Eiffel Tower and she talks about, you know, how she's feeling about being in the tower. And then the narrator, I think, implies that she's not wearing anything under her dress. And then the footage has her, you know, cross straddling a beam and talking about... um, how excited this experience is making her and the transfer of the cold steel into her body. And we just got to listen to it to, uh, to get a sense of it. <laughs> let's, let's cut to a bit of the audio. All right. This time she's determined to consummate their marriage at last. It's a challenge to be truly intimate with a public structure. But where there's a will, there's a way. Well, every time I come here, I always feel that there's some distance, some barrier between her and I, but now that barrier is gone. I mean, I'm one with her. I'm connected to her. I mean, there's there's nothing between us right now. 
the heat of my body is flowing into her cold steel. The cold of her steel is flowing into my body. And we are reaching equilibrium where we both are the same temperature. <sighs> is, it, is it not unpleasant that she's so cold? It's actually quite pleasant that she's cold because I, I can feel the exchange of temperature between us, which is an exchange of energy. And that energy is it's very spiritual. And do you feel that she loves you back? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> she definitely loves me back. And I don't care if people don't believe that I can communicate with her. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, really, the only parties involved are her and myself in this relationship. So people call me cuckoo, I don't care. What we have is real. And if, if it's only real to me, and it's only real to her, it's, it's fine. Now, before you jump in, DT, <laughs> before you jump yeah. in... yeah. Listening to that, back again with fresh ears, I I do kind of feel a bit guilty and bad about uh, the the mocking tone we've got going on. Yeah, it's obviously a very genuine experience for her and we're just uh, we're taking the mick out of it. Yeah. It's... Ha- <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so look, enough of that. Let's get serious about this. What is going on with uh, people that fall in love with objects? Alrighty. So, as always, short answer is we don't know or it's not just one factor or one cause. Yeah. Because as as we mentioned, the only real big study done was by that sexologist, Dr. Amy Marsh, back in 2010 it was. I've got to say, I love the term sexologist. It sounds like something that a college person made up, you know, like, Breast inspector. Yeah. It sounds like this fake kind of <laughs> fake profession to try and get uh, get some action. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. <laughs> the um <laughs> the other like random side thought I had while researching this was if these people are able to develop kind of feelings of love for objects, do they also experience other emotions about objects? Like, do they? You know, kind of sitting around saying, oh, that chair is a real bitch. Like, do they? <laughs> they probably do. Like, imagine the Eiffel Tower. He is hes a quiet fella. Let's be honest. He's, <laughs> he's, he's just really shy. I don't know how they rationalise the lack of communication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, in terms of what's going on here, what, what are some of the, the, the things that might explain why someone gets to a position where they feel they're in an equal relationship with a teapot or something. Mm, Yeah. So first theory is that this is a symptom of a society in which we are increasingly isolated. So these people are like the canaries in the coal mine. And when you are that socially isolated, you have such a deep, human need for connection if you're not able to find that connection with another person you will substitute the person for a thing because you rather you'd rather be connected to a thing than connected to nothing so they're not sick they're symptoms of a sick society interesting thoughts i don't know <laughs> you're not I don't a, know. you're not a sexologist you're i'm not a sexologist i'm more of a breast inspector uh so <laughs> No, I, yeah. What do you think? I, again, I think with all of these reasons, I reckon anyone on their own, maybe not, but if you compounded a few together, yeah, along with a few other issues, 
it might explain what's going on. But I think it's an interesting point around when you are incredibly lonely. And I've seen lots of interesting examples of this over the years that you do do interesting things. Like we're not made to be alone. And so that it's certainly, I think, is a big factor. I think like another way of looking at it is, you know, when you often, um, and we've known a few people in our neighborhood like this, where when you get to an age where you're, maybe you're a bit older and you're retired and you haven't got much contact and you'll be stuck out the front of your house talking to your neighbor for 45 minutes and he holds your arm so you can't get away and yeah. he clearly is needing this this human connection. Yeah. And on one level, you're like, oh, it's just so annoying. I just want to bo- pop down to the shops without having a 45-minute listening session to this this guy. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like, well, clearly he's needing to connect with someone because he spent the whole day up until now not talking to anyone. Whether that's like level one and object love is like level 30. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I think you could be right. But are these, from what you saw, were they, did they have any friends or did they seem like that socially awkward? Well, that kind of goes to theory two and like what are the common factors? And they did seem like socially awkward and interpersonally. I imagine that, that relationships and friendships aren't easy for them. And there are mm. a lot of social skills difficulties. And so lots of the, the stuff I read was saying, you know, while some people in the community might have Asperger's or autism, most of them don't. And most yeah. people with autism and Asperger's don't have object love. So that in and of itself is a, is a pretty small factor. But I yeah. think you do uh, you do seem to see this, this bi-directional thing where lonely people who would find relationships difficult to maintain, they seem to be two common factors based on what I was seeing on the, the videos and stuff I read. Yeah, okay. And then that kind of relates to this third factor, which again, that sexologist... Um, not yourself, the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is around... One of the theories is kind of impaired attachment styles where based on unpleasant stuff in childhood, they're not able to form healthy connections with people and then it becomes self-protective to form relationship with things because things can't hurt you or disappoint you. So it's just you can control the relationship better when it's a thing, not a person. Yeah, okay. But the sexologist researcher was <clears throat> saying that you know, most people who she studied didn't have childhood trauma and most people with childhood trauma don't develop object love. So, again, doesn't explain what's going on. But yeah. you add these things together and you can start to get a bit of a picture for what might be going on. They could all be contributing factors, I guess. Yeah, that that's lead right. to it. Yeah. yeah. And so, they, they were really the three main theories that kind of play pretty well together about what might be going on. But ultimately, they're not really sure. Yeah. It's the same answer as half of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I think at the end of the day, I know we've had a bit of fun with this episode, but, you know, they're certainly not hurting anyone. They're not abusing or traumatizing anyone. So good luck to them. That's it. Yeah, that's it's Guy wrote an interesting article about that saying it's not a pathology because they're not, they're not distressed by it. They're not distressing others by it. They, it's obviously giving them some sense of satisfaction or pleasure or... That's right. The issue is with others understanding and accepting what's going on because yeah. there's no kind of impairment. It's just... It just seems odd to outsiders, seems to be the way lots of people are interpreting it. But it is. It's one of those things where, yeah, like in this day and age, it 
does take a lot to get your head around it. In, mm. you know, 3,000 years, eh, it might be totally normal. Yeah, that's right. Who knows? Quick question. Yeah. Does Erica Eiffel still go by the name Erica Eiffel? Because uh, the garden fence must be ropeable. <laughs> should be, <laughs> be Erica Fence. <laughs> Keeping Erex's name. She's, that is rubbing it right into the fence. Oh, what a power play. <laughs> Alrighty, so that is why do some people fall in love with objects with a little bit of mental imagery around Don uh, and butter and honey, which is... Yeah, let's, hey, who wants some sourdough? Because uh, maybe there's some sweet dough right here. <laughs> you, I apologise, I apologise. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Some sweet. So, okay. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. See ya. All right. See you guys. See you next time.